Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey everyone, welcome to Season 4, Episode 4, Fear Itself of Buffy Virgin. Uh, we are a spoiler-free Buffy cast, uh, and we are going to start rolling. Uh, I'm your host, Dennis St. John. I'm here to introduce everybody else. Holy moly, it's Michael Poli. Hi, I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to Season 4, Episode 4, Fear Itself. And I'm Travis. I've only seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. that's it that's all he's seen that's it that's That's all uh and uh we are on our fourth episode and this is the longest i think we've ever gone without all four of us being on the show for any episode uh john cannot make it today uh so we are gonna jump right into um reactions audience reactions uh we had a pretty exciting (laughs) Uh, week of reactions to uh, the episode Living Conditions. Uh, John's, some would call it obsessive e- examination of the demon mixtape. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> strong opinions, um, including even for me, who was just a listener for that episode. Um, so, uh, Travis, why don't you read um, some of the YouTube reactions? Sure. Silver Spike says, Silver Spike 1 says, if you're focusing on how a tape rewound, then you're focusing on the wrong thing. Smiley face. Well, yeah, the Silver Spike knows us very well and we're kind of insane. He says, to be honest, I don't know if this is a guy thing, but Lord, I've never known anyone else to obsess over such minor details. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say this is not a guy thing. This is a purely John thing, right? Yeah. It's in his DNA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, SAGF9, I think, has it right. He just says, like, it's uh, probably a production mistake using the wrong sound effect. Yeah, I, I would even argue it's not even a mistake. It's just the ADR guys were like, what sound sounds the most like you pressing rewind? And it's like for a cassette. Like it was just a decision. It was not ever meant to be examined that much. Uh, we also had some comments about Sunday the Slayer. Uh, Mike, why don't you read those? Oh, sure. So uh, we actually had uh, a, like a trivia kind of thing that was added to that by Be The Change, Be Vegan, who said, do you guys know Joss had bigger plans with Sunday's character? She was supposed to be a Slayer turned vampire. But obviously that didn't happen. But that was such a cool idea. There's got to be some fan fiction around it. Yeah, that's cool. I I am bummed that I didn't get a talk about uh, Sunday because I wasn't there. But I feel like she represents like that now vampires have totally changed from the way the show began. Like it began with they could imitate being human, but they all had like they were old and they had this like religious thing about the master and stuff. And now like with Sunday and and Harmony, like vampires are just like normal people now and like harmony <laughs> doesn't even have like a personality change from being a vampire and they're not like into religion or anything they're just like living their vampire lives right <laughs> uh and on twitter um in the controversial did giles call buffy a bitch question um this is again about uh, uh living conditions um Dingo Action says, uh, when Willow is telling Giles about Buffy's behavior and she says, no, not bitch crazy, I've always read it as a callback to episode 2.1 when she was bad, which is when they're like, Buffy's possessed. And Giles is like, I believe she's having what you Americans refer to as issues. (laughs) So I I thought that was a a good call. Such a great episode. All right. uh, So thank you all for uh, reacting. Now let's move on to the summary. The summary. It's Halloween. Everyone's favorite time of year. Time for all the real ghosts and goblins to take a chill pill. And time for the humans to take on the strain of terrifying one another for a change. Time for carving pumpkins. Time for watching Disney films. And most frightening of all, Time for fraternity parties. 
Buffy, of course, isn't in the mood. She's still pining for UCSD student and fedora magically transmuted into a human form, Parker Abrams. Still, the gang has a ton of fun getting together all kinds of ridiculous costumes. Buffy is Little Red Riding Hood, Xander is a James Bond impersonator, Oz has a clever and minimalist joke costume, and Giles is a hilarious Mexican! Wait, seriously? What the fuck, Giles? Jesus. In preparation for the night's festivities, one of the fraternity brothers decides that an evil-looking demonic symbol is just the thing that he needs to help him seduce co-eds. And this being Sunnydale, there's a convenient book of royalty-free evil clip art just lying around. Add a little accidental Ozblood and presto, the Alpha Delts haunted maze becomes a haunted haunted maze. Lost in the bowels of the fraternity house, the gang experiences the embodiments of their greatest insecurities. Buffy faces danger alone, Willow's magic goes awry, Oz has trouble controlling his inner wolf, and Xander feels every bit as invisible as a young Clea Duvall. Luckily, it's Giles and Anya to the rescue. It's British Chainsaw Massacre as Giles cuts his way into the evil building. Deep inside the House of Horrors, the gang finally overcomes their anxieties and identifies the demon as Gaknar, a demon who looks so creepy in the illustration from the book that even Buffy is afraid to fight it. But fight it she must. Good thing Gaknar is only a few inches tall. It might be anticlimactic, but there's nothing disappointing about all this candy. Uh, thank you, John, for that. Uh, you're here in spirit and you're here in voice. Uh, good job. We miss you. All right. Uh, let's move on to Great Lines. Great Lines. No. This, is, this is a Joyce-Buffy conversation. Joyce says, uh, they're talking about Halloween. Your father loves spending time with you, Buffy says. Not enough, I guess. Joyce says, Buffy. Buffy says, oh, that just paid right over every lane, huh? Boy, Joyce says, our divorce had nothing to do with you. And mm. love that line because paving over memory lane, that's what all parents, divorced parents want to do is just rewrite the story of how great <laughs> the past right. was, but also how great the present is. Love it. Uh, and then Anya Xander. Uh, Anya says, Why don't we have... Um, oh, sure. You do Anya and Travis does Xander. Oh, <laughs> sure. You haven't called, not once. You said you were over me. And you just accepted that? I only said that because I thought that's what you wanted to hear. That's the funny thing about me. I tend to hear the actual words people say and accept them at face value. That's stupid. I accept that. <laughs> Bravo. Oh, so great. Isn't Anya amazing? Like, I mean, we, hold on, I'm not in focus. It's, it's, I can't believe, you know, we had to like hold on to like how cool Anya was going to be. Mm -hmm. Like now you're seeing it. Anya is insane. She's lovely. Yeah. She's, She's definitely so the best awesome. character in this episode. She's fantastic. So good. Uh, let's see. This time, Mike, why don't you be Willow and um, I'll be Buffy. Yeah. Conjuring, Will, let's be realistic here. Okay, your basic spills, spells are usually only 50-50. Oh, yeah? Well, so is your face. <laughs> uh, that is a good line. That's a good All comeback. Right. So is your face. Always works. <laughs> All right, I got a couple here. This is Oz. Maybe it's because of all the horrific things we've seen, but Hippo's wearing tutus doesn't unnerve me the way it used to. This is from the same scene, it's Willow. She didn't even touch her pumpkin. It's a freak with no face. And this is Xander near the end. And I think this is like a classic Buffy line. The, if we close our eyes and say it's all a dream, it'll stab us to death. These things are real. Uh, Trav? Yeah, my one's pretty weak, but it's uh, Giles just saying, we have to make a door. And then he picks up this chainsaw. This <laughs> is a really great sight gag. But that was my favorite, like, five seconds of something. Because he looks crazy. <laughs> yeah, Giles with the chainsaw. Yeah. Was amazing. All right. Uh, let's move on to my kill count. The kill count. So um, I counted, I think one human actually dies, one demon gets stomped, one kid in a Halloween mask gets punched in the face. Uh, we're on Anya's third hair color, uh, third Uncle Rory mention, um, and I got something else, but it'll come up later. So that's- What was the second Uncle Rory mention? Uh, well, the first one is 
Uncle Rory is the uh, was a janitor at the place where they built the robot. Oh, okay. Second one is the Chevy Bel Air, and then this yeah. is the third. Awesome. Third one, he's drinking schnapps at the house. <laughs> he does like his schnapps. All right, uh, let's move on to weird noticings and trivia. Weird noticings. All right, so I guess I had the first weird noticing, which is uh, I was watching this on my DVDs of Buffy, and it's in the four by three aspect ratio. <laughs> then if you're watching on Hulu, Hulu in the United States, it's 16 by nine. I can't really tell which one I prefer um, because there's, there's going to be some extra stuff on the 16 by nine that isn't really supposed to be there. But um, so I don't know, maybe I can ask you guys what you, what you prefer. Uh, the Hulu. I prefer, I've been watching it um, on Hulu this season just because my DVD player is in the other room yeah. and the DVDs look a lot better the Hulu. Um, this season seems to be doing something fucked up with the whites that mm. were sometimes the brightest whites will trans will turn to black. And it seems to only be on this season of Buffy for some reason. So yeah, I would recommend watching on DVD if you can. I do not have this one on DVD. I'm exclusively watching on Hulu right now. Yeah, so uh, you already mentioned it, but Uncle Rory let Anya in the house. Another Uncle Rory reference. And Uncle Rory is clearly looking out for Xander. Like it. Yeah, Rory's got to be proud to have been like, all right, good job, Xander. I can, I can see him being that type of uncle. Uncle Rory is over all the time. Because I feel like Uncle Rory was over last episode. Was he? Didn't didn't they let him in or her mom? No, his mom let her let yeah, Anya. Fabric softener. That wouldn't yeah. have been an Uncle Rory note. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was just saying that Xander has a really nice basement like room. We've seen it once before, back season two or three, right? Where he there was like a superhero poster on the wall, but uh, he used to have an actual. In season three, he had an actual room. Was that room upstairs? Yeah, the basement looks pretty nice. <laughs> it does. It looks decent. I think it looks better without the disco ball. Yeah, that's weird. I don't get that, but whatever. Oh, yeah. So there's an in-costume reference to uh, these characters have been running around with guns for the last several episodes that are seen for a second. And it was just like, NATO, when is this group of people finally going to happen? As a viewer, I'm so irritated that this is a slow build. Slow build. There's just like one-off references, like visual references to these guys in masks and guns. And this is the third time I think they've been cited. Maybe the yeah. fourth, third time. And when is this going to happen? I'm, I'm frustrated with this. They're like the most unstealthy group of like, <laughs> of, of, of like military group, right? They're like the worst. I mean, these people, I mean, I feel like they, they, they should have like, you know, a bugle and stuff. I mean, they're like the most, you know, they have like flanking, like. It just they like, are the opposite of inconspicuous. Yeah, it's insane. Inconspicuous. Uh, so when uh, Xander and Oz get to the frat house, they like see the mark on the floor. They comment on it. They're like, oh, it's from an old book. Xander and Oz should know better. 100% they should know better. Like they should like this whole episode could have been fixed if just one of them had the smarts of like, like rubbing out the mark like right there, like just smudge it so it can't like. Don't. Well, Xander was distracted by those grapes. And Oz had to fix that stereo. So. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, apparently John isn't here to like describe in detail what Oz did wrong with the stereo. But uh, <laughs> uh, Trav, you're next. Oh, yeah. It's it, it just, it's tough to know what to do to cheer up Buffy. Like the Scooby gang tries like their best. They're carving these weird, they're, you know, it's funny how they're doing like these, these kind of pumpkin carving, uh, which is pretty sweet, you know, it, and, but you know, they're trying their best to cheer up Buffy, but it's like, it's like one of the situations where you can't cheer somebody else up. Yeah, I do really like that opening with them all in Xander's and trying to cheer up and stuff. And it's so sweet because they're actually trying to spend time in Xander's place, even though he's a townie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's all, the whole friend thing. Like this is, you know, all these fears of friendship and their lives changing. I think you're going to talk about that in big themes. Anya definitely burns Xander real good with like the, they're moving on and you're not. <laughs> that was like the rest so rough and we'll definitely get more into the townie versus uh town versus gown thing i think next episode oh but it's beer bad beer, beer bad. bad but it's definitely a thing this season you know to feel oh yeah i'm glad joyce has friends so in uh, her conversation with buffy they're talking about like how great joyce, joyce's situation is now she's finally finding friends of her own 
and for their safety of course they're all remaining off camera which i think is great uh and then there's a great ted callback uh where she talks about oh of course then there was that you know crazy robot thing but like anyway that's a lovely conversation and yeah. I, I appreciate the joyce's friends are off camera yeah, I, I I had the same thought of like, well, it's easier her to, for her to make friends now that Buffy's moved out. So every time she brings a friend over, Buffy doesn't kill them. <laughs> I know. I was so sad Pat did not get a mention. Like, I feel like I feel like a picture of Pat should be on the wall, and I feel like she should have gone over and like just stroked the picture of Pat <laughs> and be like, I had like this real friend, and then she became a zombie, and you murdered her daughter. Remember when you stabbed her in the face with a shovel? And then they cut off or they cut the eyes or something. I don't remember. And uh, oh yeah, that was a, that was the time where I said, I always think it's funny when parents tell their kids that the divorce wasn't about you. Like I wasn't thinking that it, the divorce was about me, mom, but now I am. Uh, you know, it's when someone says, oh, it's not you, it's me. It's like, is it? Because <laughs> I feel like you could have told me the truth. I'm just kidding. My parents' divorce is not about me, just for the record. <laughs> I'm glad that's on record. I believe my mom. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a, it's it it never sounds good, even if it is true. When someone's like, "Oh, honey, the divorce wasn't about you." I mean, I think it's kind of because Buffy's reflecting on this theme going on in her life, and it's way more about Angel than it is about Parker. Like Parker is just a symptom, and I think that's visually clear because in Buffy Scarwatch. Her scar is clearly visible during this scene. Oh. So I think it's like whenever she reflects on Angel, the scar shows back up. Um, I think uh, once everybody gets into the costumes and stuff, uh, Willow has a funny callback to being burned at the stake. So good. Like a lot of callbacks this episode. And uh, yeah, for a while I was like, why is she like that? I'm like, oh, makes perfect Buffy sense. And Xander finally is operating in Buffy logic land, you know, dressing up as someone cool. Because there's always magic every Halloween, even though from the get-go, it's always said there's no magic that happens on Halloween. There's no bad guys that happen on Halloween. It doesn't matter. Their, their existence is the exact opposite of that. And finally, he's like, he's like learning to operate within that, that, uh, that, that sphere of understanding. So it's pretty good. It was yeah. Uh, Buffy's prepared also. She had that line of what's in the best. Oh, yeah. Weapons. weapons. <laughs> yeah, she, she's very practical. You're right. That was that was a pretty funny. That was actually really great. The whole touch. Yeah, uh, I like the, the one frat guy who might have actually died. It's a little hard to tell, but he had the problematic Rasta wig, and he was like an asshole from the beginning. Like, I do not feel bad at all about his death. I'm okay with that. <laughs> How totally insane was it for that guy to complain at, at Buffy that she hit him in the face? Because he jumped out and like, you know, who knows what that guy was going to do in that monster mask to her. I mean, that's just like, that's like the, the most insane thing that he would ever complain. Like, hey, what'd you do? I would just, you know, almost basically, you know, threatening you with this, you know, assault. Oh, but I was going to be ha-ha funny. And then you hit me in the face. That's eh, Halloween. But that doesn't mean you can like, you know. Especially in Sunnydale, it's a dumb idea. It's also a dumb idea just to jump suddenly in front of a person at night late at night and scream you feel like that's that's not kosher any night of the week i'd say having uh spent time on a college campus on halloween though that's like super common right there's like always people dressed in costumes like ready to jump out on you really they love it they love I, it. I don't think that was a college student i think that was like a it looked like a kid yeah like a townie he looked pretty old <laughs> I I don't know how Buffy and the Scooby Gang can even appreciate the Halloween holiday. I mean, I think they do the right thing by preparing, like you know, Xander's in costume just in case he becomes Bond or whatever. Yeah. But like that's all they can do is just like cope with the inevitable terrible thing that will happen or prep for that. But I think they're all in denial, and it's just ridiculous. I would love for an episode to open once where they're like. What terrible thing's gonna happen this week? <laughs> and they're all just like just doing mad libs of something terrible happening. I can't remember if there's ever an episode where they open with them just wondering what awful thing's gonna happen. I don't th I feel like there's episodes that begin with them being like, It's been really quiet. Yep, nothing can go wrong. And then they're like, Damn it, Xander, why'd you say that? Well yeah, there's the whole like I feel like Xander definitely jinxes them. I feel like there's an episode or some season one or two where they jinxes them. 
in the haunted house or you know the it becomes a haunted house uh the characters all get separated and it's super reminiscent of that season one episode of nightmares when you know you kind of go through each character's nightmares yeah it does feel a little nightmarish like they're definitely being tested in different ways we can maybe talk about each of those ways and then question when willow gets scratched by oz will she change into a werewolf and i know i wrote vampire by accident but i meant werewolf <laughs> i was gonna not change that i was gonna not correct that just so you could say it out loud yeah but he got so, like oz changed when he got like scratched or bit by a little kid right willow should change into a werewolf yeah but he wasn't really a werewolf at the time right she didn't really get scratched okay because when we see like them when they get up to the attic he's like he thinks he's changed but he hasn't okay so uh, it's so but i think even if he yeah if he bit her or scratched her even not as a werewolf that would probably transform her right based on like that that's, he, that's the million dollar question because presumably his his nine-year-old cousin did not look like a werewolf when he bit oz yeah that would have solved that question for oz pretty quickly he would not have to ask if the werewolf that bit him was a werewolf little Jordy yeah <laughs> okay so it doesn't actually happen a lot of those things don't actually happen yeah, yeah. maybe okay. it's like supernatural magic illusion an illusion it's an illusion michael no i'll, I'll buy the that trick I'll is buy something. there's a lot of like fantastical things that don't really happen they can't see each other they're all having their own like weird kind of psychedelic episodes um i just love giles with the chainsaw uh i feel like giles is just um He's not the season one Giles anymore. I couldn't imagine that dude wheel comfortably wielding a chainsaw. <laughs> I felt like we needed way more like scenes of him wielding that chainsaw. <laughs> just cutting we got two. We got yeah. two. Oh. Just cutting through door after door. And he actually uses the chainsaw to cut wood instead of like <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> oh, I was I was surprised that Willow, when they get the book at the end of the episode, they're like, Man, is this this is Gaelic. And it's just like, how many languages can Willow read? It's just crazy. She's, she's, all she's, the damn, she's a damn fine witch. I also like, like um, just that, that that isn't a book from Giles's collection or anything. Yeah. Just like, this is a book just a frat guy could find randomly. <laughs> like, this shit is way too common in Sunnydale. You got to pull it back, man. <laughs> it's just so like, it yeah, dangerous. has to be in charge of this. Everywhere. Yeah. And they're just doing it for decoration, right? Like, it's yeah. just like, this would be cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think we already said it, but Anya's the best characters in the, ep in the episode. I love her Xander fixation. It's hilarious and wonderful how that pays off. I love her going to Giles's place and being like, we need to go rescue Xander and everyone else or whatever. <laughs> uh, but she's great and such an odd character that like is important, but I thought she would be way more essential in trying to figure out like the haunted house thing but actually Giles, but she gets Giles. So it's important. So it's like, she's not non-essential, but, but like, yeah, I, she's, she's definitely not using any of her like ex demon skills. She's not like this recall. This reminds me of a spell I cast on a man in 1802. Yeah. I was expecting her to like confront and kill this demon when it got summoned. And then of course there's the weird joke. Anyway, you, you've got, you can talk about that one. Um, uh, I did want to point out that, that there is an Anya action figure from this episode of her oh. in the bunny suit, and I put a screen cap down at the bottom of the notes. Oh, heck yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's a previews exclusive. Oh, shoot. Aww. Gotta pre-order that. <laughs> oh, and it comes with the bunny, in case you didn't know what bunnies were like. Okay, weird. I do, I love the fear demon reveal. It's such a good gag. And the demon looks great. Like, if they didn't make this, like, demon you know six inches tall or whatever he would genuinely be creepy looking he looks like if somebody who was already a demon like then became a cenobite like there is like a ton of fucked up shit going on with this dude but he's itty bitty um <laughs> it's such a i mean i don't know this is a funny episode right this is like let's do a funny halloween episode but it's just one of those things that the, like the show couldn't have done early on without it like tearing the world apart right but now it can do it like it takes a while for a show to build to be the, to be able to get away with stuff like this it ends up being funny but i think watching it i didn't have a sense of it being funny when they got separated because it was, oh, yeah. was so much darkness to their like individual scenes like you know 
Xander confronting the fact that he's like kind of useless and unnecessary and like has to move on. Uh, you know, Buffy and Willow's kind of fighting, you know, over like who's in, you know, who's in charge, right? Who's running this gang, right? Yeah. Like there's that. And then Zan- uh, Oz is really freaked out about transformation and even has that line earlier in the episode about how when he wolfs out yeah wolfs out and how scary that is for himself like that sense you know comparing it to spellcraft and then like he's that weird in the tub scene where he's freaking yeah. I love that in the tub scene man i feel like he's got the worst yeah situation in this episode but i do i want to point out that um in the buffy monster book uh xander gets his only gets his only s- section because of this episode he's in there for invisible people so it's him and Marcy get their own section for invisible people. <laughs> so it's funny just because Xander is only basically invisible to his, his friends. Yes, friends. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious that, you know, Giles is like, the demon can not be summoned by, and then, and then she just goes stomps on the, the symbol. It's like, that is not how you do it. That will summon the demon immediately. It was like, just a great Buffy gag of Buffy being impulsive and being like, I'm taking care of this. <laughs> and also about the, the guys writing those books being idiots. Yeah. They organized it way wrong. Yeah, that's that like the way to summon it comes after the way not to summon it. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading Hellboy right now, reading through that series. And like Buffy and Hellboy seem like the same character sometimes. She's just like, <laughs> And smash. Yeah. And like, that's exactly what Hellboy would do. I like, there's so many Hellboy short stories that are like, you know, there's a mystery going on. Hellboy, for some reason, believes the first human he meets. That first human <laughs> tricks him. And then he's like, oh, I figured this, I figured it all out, but it's too late. The thing's been summoned. I'll just punch it. Like, <laughs> that's like every Hellboy short story. <laughs> Why don't we move on to questions for the group? Questions for the group. Great. So uh, it's 2018. Are you still decorating pumpkins? Would you Uh, have a scene like the opener in your life? Let me tell you, you are talking to an award-winning pumpkin carver. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What what award did you win? The ice arena near where I work does uh, pumpkin carving every year for their Halloween because... Peanuts is big with Halloween. So a couple of years ago, I won an award for the most ghoulish pumpkin. And I got a $25 gift certificate to five guys. It's pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> Dang. And yeah, I carved a pumpkin last year for my aunt. Um, yeah, I still carve pumpkins. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. I make them ghoulish, you know? <laughs> They're not like those chump pumpkins that Xander was carving. I like, you know, have uh, I use clay tools and like carve off... Um, the first layer of skin so that there can be more shading and dimension. Oh, insider tips. Do you have like a uh, pumpkin carving kit that's like rolled up and then like you (laughs) throw it on the table and you unroll it like it's like a... Uh, No, but I I do have a chainsaw. So I bet you didn't expect that answer, Mike. I I bet you were like... No, (laughs) no, I was going to say carving pumpkins is for suckers. That's what I was going to say. No, hey. I wasn't. I didn't think it was for suckers. I, Travis, are you still doing it? Travis doesn't no. even dress up. There's no way he dress. He well, he's got surgical me. tools. I figure. Oh <laughs> man, yeah. Can you use your uh, scalpel? <laughs> Carve a mean old pumpkin. I haven't carved a pumpkin in 20 years. <laughs> I feel like I do it every once in a while. If somebody hosts like a party, and then there's some kind of pumpkin carving thing that happens, it's like a crafty thing that can happen sometimes. But it's never something I'm doing. But it is like one of these like nostalgic for the past things that happens like in the same way that, you know, you might decorate a Christmas tree where it's like, oh, this is this nostalgic past thing. Do you want to, are you feeling old? Let's do this thing. So like every once in a while, apparently people feel that age where they're old and they need to feel young again and the pumpkins come out. But it was just cute to see them all doing that. And I'm like, I don't think I ever did that in high school or in college. It's like, they're in a unique space. That's probably relaxing if you're hunting demons. Yeah. That's, I think, um, something I want to get into with themes and stuff. But, like, these are kids who grew up fighting monsters. So their relation to, like, horror media and Halloween is, like, so different than ours. Right? So I want to kind of explore how this episode explores it. I like your next question, Mike. Oh, yeah. So I have an answer for this. So I can start this off. But which haunted house scare 
works the best on you. Of course, we all know haunted houses, they have their scares. They have the jump scare that someone will just go, ah, you know. The one that works best on me that I've seen is when you were there for this one, Dennis. But when you're walking down uh, a narrow corridor and the walls are curtains and they just start to move a little. I feel mm. like I'm going to be grabbed at any time. It's terrifying. That works on me. Walking by curtains. One. I definitely realized the best, for me, the, be- the, the, the smartest thing to do is like you put something in your line of sight that's like scary looking or gross or something, but it's going to draw your attention. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, for me, the one I remember was when we went on the one that was like the Harley Quinn one or whatever, there was the Harley Quinn character or non-licensed Harley Quinn character spinning that had like killed a doctor and was like spinning his heart inside his body. And I was like, oh, cool, weird. And I was like staring at that and staring at her. And then somebody came from the side, like uh, being able to like draw your, even though you're in a haunted house and you know somebody's going to jump out on you, like being able to draw your focus away for like a second so, so that you can get that side scare is like how to actually get me. Ah, uh, yes, the side scare. That's a classic. Like they got you real good with the piano one, Mike. That was the same like structure. Yeah, the piano one was great. There was someone inside a piano. They ever saw that coming? Like where behind where the sheet music would be, I guess they like, had someone back in there and they just rip open the door. I guess fucking jump scares get me, the classics. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm so easy on that stuff. But they had distracted you if there was like a zombie bartender and you had seen that character and were like, okay, zombie bartender, side scare, <laughs> right? Like, okay, I didn't realize it's the same. You're right, it's the side scare. Yeah, there's the primary, draw your attention, side scare. Yeah, that's, those work. There's a, cla- there's a reason they're in every haunted house. I also really like, um, it's not as much scary, but I think it's always cool when there's that mix of the practical and then like an effects element. Like if there's like some mirror element so that there's an actual like floating ghost or something, like that's really cool. Yeah, I I remember the first time I was experiencing um, one of those strobe lights in a haunted house, that was terrifying. Yeah. It's like, you don't even know, you forget you can move. (laughs) Yeah. It's like your body stops moving. Uh, and then yeah, like someone like, has to basically bump you from behind and you're like, oh yeah, I can move. I don't know why I forgot I can move. <laughs> it's so freaky because it's it's the simplest thing. It's just a strobe effect and then like zombies coming at you or something. But yeah. like, brain does not know how to operate at all anymore. <laughs> yeah, what is that? It just like short circuits your ability to like fend for yourself. It's a great <laughs> one. They should have used that in Roman times if they didn't. Like as soon as the elephants come out, strobes. <laughs> Yeah, just dudes in front of the like fire the lamps like like blocking them. <laughs> what about you, Travis? Um, I'm I'm typical, just a jump scare. I mean, any sort of male figure chasing me in a dark, uh, like you know, hallway. Male. Terrifying. <laughs> male figure chasing me somewhere dark. Absolutely terrifying. Doesn't have to be in costume. I'd also <laughs> say like <laughs> good look, a lot like my father. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, this will never end well. This never has the happy story. He's not chasing me with a lotto ticket I won. You know, there's, never, there's never a great answer of, oh, this is what's happening. Yeah. I haven't been in a haunted house in, in, many, in many moons. And I'll say, like, haunted house scares are different than, like, horror movie scares. Like, I don't want a jump scare in a horror movie because that's cheap. But, like, yeah. in a haunted house, that's what I want because yeah. haunted houses are cheap, right? Well, it's, a, it's like an in-person, it's a person. Like, a jump scare would be good. Like in a, in your field of view, because it's it's more impressive than when you watch a TV. Yeah, it's like more more interesting. So I ask, uh, any favorite uh, in episode costumes? Um, I assume Anya's gonna win. I don't know. Yeah, Anya in the bunny costume, though nothing beats the jump surprise of Giles in a sombrero. That was pretty great. <laughs> that is good. I also think Willow and Oz are a great couple's costume. Like, yeah. What, what I think the most impressive is, is a perfectly tailored little red riding hood outfit that Buffy has. Even though the cape had to be uh, like retailored, the rest of the outfit had not been tailored. Like it's, who has a, just a perfectly tailored little red riding hood outfit? It's just crazy. There's uh, also some, some good just background ones like Willow's roommate in drag and then the lobster and the Oh yeah, gift. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Do we have so to do good. this right now? I love you. Was, uh, was the roommate a specific drag character? 
I don't think so. It was like non-specific. Okay. Yeah. Although I could be wrong. There's probably some '90s reference I'm forgetting, right? I had no idea. Yeah, I saw that. My mind was like not able to associate with anything. Just I was like, trying to figure it out too, but I, I didn't. I didn't pull out a a, a drag reference. Yeah, it's not RuPaul or anything. Uh, before we do themes and deep stuff, why don't we do uh, recommendations? Recommendations. So, Mike, you point out that the in-episode recommendations are Phantasm and Fantasia. <laughs> uh, and, I, and they also mention Abbott and Costello. Um, and this episode actually, I think, is specifically trying to re- reference Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Because this episode has at least two Frankenstein monsters in background. And um, in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, they meet uh, Frankenstein, the werewolf, Dracula and and the Invisible Man, and so they're all ref they're all represented in this, with the mm. exception of Dracula. And weirdly enough, there's not even a vampire in this episode, like no vampire at all. Um, so I feel like they're really making a specific Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, which is a pretty solid uh, movie. Um, I really enjoy, <laughs> even though Boris Karloff called it like the death of horror. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Vincent Price is the voice of the Invisible Man at the end of this, and the day we're recording this is Vincent Price's birthday. So, oh, let's give a shout out to him. Happy birthday, Vincent Price! And he's also in House on Haunted Hill, which yeah. I'll recommend um, because it also kind of plays with this, like it's a haunted house mo- movie, and it plays with is this real or is this like a setup that Vincent Price is doing to all of us? And it includes like um, a fake skeleton gags gag, similar to this fake skeleton gag. And this episode in particular feels like a dry run for the Drew. Is it Drew Goddard or David Fury who did Cabin in the Woods, Trev? I don't know. I don't know, actually. Uh, but it feels like a dry run for Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Like, so we haven't recommended that on the podcast yet, but it's, um, I think it's Drew Goddard and uh, Joss Whedon movie. Um, so very much, obviously, if you're watching a Buffy podcast, uh, you know about Cabin in the Woods. But you know. You're in the know. Yeah. So those are recommendations. Um, do we want to do any prediction stuff or we want to save that all for... Why don't I do them really quickly? Because I'm just going to say the predictions because they're related to things we just talked about. I predict we will never meet Uncle Rory in Buffy. However, I mean the TV show. However, we will meet Uncle Rory in the comic books. Do you think he'll get his own miniseries? No. No. Come on. But he will be in the comics. Uh, there will be a Christmas episode every season of Buffy and there will be a Halloween episode every season. They can't help themselves. I believe there has been a Halloween episode every season. There hasn't been a Christmas, but there will be now. There was a Christmas episode last season. Uh, and there was a Halloween episode in season two, but not in season three. There wasn't one in season three? No. What? Halloween right. just well, moving, moving forward, they got to do the seasonal episodes. All right, cool. The season, damn it. Cool. Uh, that was it. And then, just quick aside, I have a bunch of I I listed out the spoilers from Weedon Con. I don't know if people want to know what those yeah, are. Tell us, tell us what you um, know. Yeah, but we shouldn't have it be. Oh. We're trying to be a spoiler-free podcast, right? Mm. Okay, so I'll do it as a separate thing. Okay, yeah. we can talk about it after episode or. Uh, I've got a vlog I'm going to release about Weedon Con, but I wasn't sure if okay. I wanted to mention it here first or not. So I guess I'll just put out the vlog and people can we can link to it and people can find out if they're interested. Okay. We, we, we can say, generally speaking, there were a few spoilers that Mike was exposed to. None of them terrib- None of them that were big surprises and none that really affect the overall story. Uh, there's the, the first one you have listed, though, is a character that was in this episode. I don't know if you didn't notice. Or <laughs> oh, no, I didn't notice. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's good we... He's running under the radar then. Um, and, and two of the spoilers that he found out are revealed in this season. So it's not that he, it's, there were a bunch of season seven spoilers or anything like that. So rest assured, folks, he's still pretty, pretty much a virgin. Let's, I mean, let's say he's gotten to second or maybe third base, but we're jerks and we're not going to count it. All right. I like the, there's one thing that I don't think is a spoiler, but it's just a noticing the all, all Willow merch sold out. Oh, yeah, this is a noticing about WhedonCon. That was interesting. So I was at WhedonCon last week, um, and there, it, there isn't a lot of merchandise for Buffy fans that 20 years on, oh, there wasn't a lot of new stuff. I feel like it's an underserved community. Hint, hint, we should make cool shit. Very underserved. 
but uh all the willow stuff sold really fast i think people who watch buffy are willows they identify as willows and so they're very interested in that i think everyone male and female identifies as a willow because all the willow stuff sold out immediately i saw plenty of buffy stuff just off. sitting there huh <laughs> But I didn't see any, like, an- a lot of ancillary character stuff. Everybody thinks, I think people who don't watch the show think that Buffy's the main character, and so people want Buffy merchandise or Angel merchandise. And so there was definitely a lot of, like, Buffy and Angel-style stuff. But, like, if you watch the That's show... That's so season two. Come on. The golden seasons. Those are the, those are the prime seasons. And because Spike was at the show, James Masters, right, there was some Spike stuff. But... Anyway, just that's the thought. So the Willow stuff sold. And then I saw uh, some pretty rad uh, Willow jackets people were wearing. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Some Willow cosplay. That's an amazing photo of that woman, that Willow cosplay. Oh, yeah. There was good, uh, really good Faith cosplay there, actually. I saw two, two awesome Faiths. I didn't take their picture. I'm an idiot. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for yeah. that uh, partial Man. recap. Um, all right, why don't we uh, get heavy? Let's move on to themes, guys. I do want to read, uh, this is some quotes from David Fury from who wrote this episode from the Monster Book. Um, and he says a lot of stuff like Mike's already talked about a little and we've kind of been bouncing around some. But he says, um, it was a very big deal to do this on Halloween because the first Buffy Halloween episode was a classic. It was hard to come up with an idea that didn't play off costumes trying to get to the root of Halloween which is fear. Given the previously established bit of lore that prescribes very little supernatural activity on Halloween night, these characters have seen very, have seen every horrible thing imaginable, says David Fury. We dealt with their more hidden fears in the episode Nightmares in the first season. This could be seen as a companion piece to that. We toyed with the idea of some of those fears and nightmares rearing their heads and the characters now reacting to them differently. We grow. The things that, we, that scared us two years ago are not the same things we fear now. That is why the fears are personalized. Oz fears hurting Willow. Willow fears her magic is getting the better of her. Xander fears getting left behind by his friends and ceasing to exist for them now that he is a townie and they go to college. It was sort of taking the nightmares idea and looking at our characters two years later and seeing where they're at. Good call on you, Mike, for noticing like similar like two nightmares and how they deal with it more now. Like Buffy's original fears were like dying and become a vampire. And she's like, bitch, I've dealt with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny to think about in canon. I don't know when Fury's writing that, but to think of the previous Halloween episode as a classic and that it's important not to repeat the themes in that. But that's, that's super smart as far as like how to approach it. Like we can't do the same things again. And like, let's do something different. Like I already I appreciate that thoughtfulness. Anyway, that's a, that's interesting. So, what was Buffy's? What's Buffy's fear? It, um, it was the fear of uh, that everybody she loves will abandon her. Okay, that's where um, they become invisible because she can't see them. I mean, I, I feel like sure that could be true, but I feel like what Buffy says in every episode is, "I can't spend my time making sure you're safe." I feel like the stated fear of Buffy is that her friends will die around her, not that their friends will leave her. But it's funny that the fear in the episode is a little bit different than what I think like her like official stated fear with is with official her friends. Fear. But this is what she's going through right now because she's still dealing with Angel leaving her and then she tries to move on with Parker and Parker turns out to be uh, a dick and everything. So this is the stuff she's dealing with in episode more than like you're, I think you're right. Like that is something she's always kind of stating the like, I can't protect you. I would have liked her fear would have been like seeing her friends get die, like die when she's chained up or something. Anyways. Gruesome, man. Sorry. <laughs> like maybe Giles could just die. <laughs> Always trying to kill Giles. Uh, so I also say this episode directly addresses um, what the relationship to horror media would be for kids who grew up fighting real monsters. I just think it's interesting because like, they don't seem to have, like, they're kind of dismissive of it. They don't seem to have, like, PTSD about horror. They're ready to watch Phantasm, right? A soldier recently returned maybe isn't like, let's watch a war movie, right? I don't know. I guess it depends on the people. But they don't, like, they're mostly taking the view of, like, oh, this is funny. Like, Buffy has the the line about, like, yes, if I was Abbott Costello, this would be fairly traumatic. Like... <laughs> It is interesting that they even exist in a universe where the horror media as we know it exists, right? And that 
that came up, I think, last season with uh, those hellhounds that were being brainwashed or whatever, watching <laughs> horror films. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if there's other horror films that have been directly referenced like that. Probably. I'm just not thinking of them right now. I get confused because of your recommendations about what's been in a Buffy thing and then what's a Dennis thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times they are doing specific episodes that not in canon, I mean, not on the show are references to movies and stuff, but like you'd think that would mean that those movies don't actually exist in their world. I forget. They, I thought they mentioned they watched Drag. Remember when they were in that club, the Sunset Club? Yeah, they were watching like the Jack Palance Dracula yeah. in that. <laughs> I don't think there's, anyone said he's a good actor, though. But like, okay. they don't, I don't feel like they keep horror films as talisman, talismans or like they don't really fetishize them. It's just like, it's a fun thing that exists in their world. And like, they compare things to horror films, but they're not like worshiping horror films they don't have a lot of images that they around them. Like they look like pretty typical. Like what is it? Xander's room is full of comic books and like, or comic art and trucks and like, yeah. Willow's got, I mean, they're pretty nondescript rooms. I guess Willow's got a dingo's poster, some music and stuff. Like they're yeah, not, they, they have not gone goth on us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe if Sunday, the vampire had been a bigger character, we could go more goth. They don't really live in that world. That world exists. Their relationship to horror media seems like a typical teen or typical adult relationship with horror but it is weird that they don't have ptsd they do a little right but like but they're still okay to watch phantasm and they're not like uh i don't yeah they're not, they're not calling up like how fake those films are or they're not watching them for tips like you thought you might like buffy can learn a few things by watching some of these <laughs> films, films probably yeah for instance in my experience like i watched the movie still alice right and then i'm like I'm never watching that again. Like, that was a good movie, but I'm not going to, like, put myself through that. If you're living a world where you fight monsters, you maybe don't want to watch a monster movie, unless it's Godzilla, because that's so much bigger than anything you've faced. You can't possibly <laughs> have any trauma about that. I was definitely surprised they wanted to go to a haunted house. That seemed nuts. It'd be crazy if, like, it was just normal haunted house, but they had, like, strong reactions and started, like, punching everything. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, gotta have some supernatural elements or else they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, dude, do not invite this crew to the party. They're gonna wreck the place. That'd be a really fun short comic or something about, or a fan fiction, I guess, piece about them killing everybody in a haunted house. <laughs> or like they show up at the haunted house and the demons follow them there. And so like everyone gets killed at the haunted house, but it just, it, it was just like, man, don't invite them. Don't invite them. Every party ends in death, you know? Yeah. It's a very like Cordelia line. Right? Yeah, it's like, oh great, all the vampires are here and they've you know blocked the door. I don't know if this is too de too dumb an analysis or not, but I was thinking that a part of why Xander might like Anya is that he likes to likes having someone he has to explain basic shit to. That he would get some pleasure from that. From like, I get to explain like really basic stuff and like it makes me feel smart. So it's similar to that trope of the born sexy yesterday. But then I was also like, I don't know if you guys, do you know that trope? I don't know that one. The examples of it would be like Lilu from um, Fifth Element and like uh, Daryl Hannah's character from like Splash, where it's like me just like being able to like basically function in this world seems amazing to this like beautiful woman who's never experienced it before. But like, she's not a child. She's definitely an adult, so we can have sex. I don't know. I think it's a, it's a more recent trope to be pointed out. Um, there's a YouTube video about it. But I don't. I thought about that, but then I was like, but Anya doesn't really fit that because she's also like calling Xander out a lot. She's also like, why are you friends with these people? They've moved on and you haven't. So it doesn't exactly fit. It was just an idea I was thinking about. Yeah, I find that she's kind of hyper-observant. Hyper-observant, analytical. Innocence is like her emotional non-understanding. Like she's almost like AI. Like she's like a data character who has, for who has, has these feelings and doesn't understand what they are. I'm sure there was an episode of Star Trek where Data had feelings. Anyway, she's that character of Data with feelings and having to deal with that. And then I'm not like, going to go into it. I'm going <laughs> to let John just listen to this episode and be like, ah! Let him scream. Just scream. Just scream at his computer as this goes on. Also, Mike, this is the first Star Trek reference we've had of the day, and it's you. It's you who bring it up. Hey, well. He's learning. He's learning, folks, so well. Still need to watch Fistful of Datas, though. Still need to watch some of the <laughs> Star Trek, apparently. You know, there's going to be a bunch of recommendations for Star Trek episodes now in the comments. Yeah, so she's, she's kind of like that. I, I, why does Xander like that? 
I think he's he's basically being stalked by this woman, and I think he likes the attention and the assertiveness. But also, she's not going to murder him. Like I feel like the Faith Same. version of Anya, and like they're kind of similar. Like Faith's like I want it now, and she gets it, and Anya's like I want him now too. But she's more reasonable. She's like a completely analytical thing that you can argue with. Versus Faith would be like might murder you one day, right? Just might. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, definitely, definitely would murder you. I don't know. Like, if my first relationship was with someone like Faith, I'm sure Anya would seem super reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> people like Angel, I don't know. Like, their whole relationship like system is not well grounded to begin with. So, I imagine Xander's last pseudo girl he was with was Faith, and she was choking him to death the last time <laughs> they were together. Like that's his last memory of a woman who wasn't Anya who touched him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, all right. I mean, this is this is fine. This is this is safe. I mean, who would you put with Xander at this stage? You know, like relationship-wise. I mean, you, you gotta invent a new character, basically. Yeah. Cause like who has been through, you know, he maybe could have a relationship with Jonathan or like <laughs> Harmony, maybe, but that would be <laughs> she's better with Spike. Not anymore. No, I'm not now. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, Anya's a demon. Maybe, you know, he could get over the fact that Harmony's a vampire. But he'll never get over the fact Harmony is Harmony. I don't know. I mean, he dated Cordelia. I don't know what the Ooh. step is between Cordelia and Harmony, right? Oh, shoot. I almost totally so skipped much Cordelia. Cordelia is so much better. Come on. Come on, son. Yeah. They're, they're cut from the same cloth at the beginning. They've evolved differently. So thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for listening and commenting. Uh, please subscribe and uh, rate. We appreciate it. Um, and your comments are funny and we'll make it onto the air probably. Uh, I've been your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, you can buy my comics uh, at DennisComics.com, D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. That's also my Twitter. Mike, where can people find you? Sure. Yeah. At Michael Poli on Twitter. I'm going to have a vlog up on my YouTube channel about weed and con. So if you're at all curious about weed and con 2018, what that experience was like, I'll just have a few observations about that. That'll be on YouTube. Michael Poli. Thanks everybody. We'll see you in hell.